0: I step foot in the church. I sit in the very back where it's like taped off. You're not supposed to sit. I'm making jokes about the, I didn't know, but it was the pastor's wife. She was a worship leader. I'm making sexual jokes, just lost and broken. The preacher saying, hey, there's some of you in here, this, this, God wants to do this. And I'm there, my heart's beating. He makes an altar call and I feel something pulling on my shirt. I feel something drawing me, like a literal person pulling me. Now, of course, I didn't know it was spiritual or none of that, I just thought, okay. I go up to the altar and I basically am at the altar and I say, God, I don't know if i can believe in you because I really didn't believe in you. I said, but if you're real, I'll give you everything. I'll lay down my life, I'll move out of state, I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll do this, I'll do anything. As I'm saying this, I hear an audible voice, not an inward Holy Spirit speaking, not a voice whisper. I hear an audible voice from the outside, again I'm an atheist at this point, from the outside of my body saying Isaiah, I don't want 99.9% of you. So I was raised in just a really, really good Christian home, but I can honestly say God was never real to me. I never had a real relationship with Jesus. I never felt like God mattered to me or I mattered to him and didn't have any type of connection with him. And I remember having this aunt that said, I know Isaiah has a special calling on his life because he's had so many near-death experiences. And so I was like the guy in the family growing up in my teenage years, even younger, where I'd always had these experiences where I almost died. It was like almost a joke, like, man, he always almost dies. Has these crazy experiences. One I can remember at 12 years old, I was with a friend of mine in a large metal barn. Uh, it was had probably 30 feet tall. They had this large chain that was used to pull out engines, transmissions, and I just watched a documentary about Jesse James and the Outlaws. So it was me and my buddy and all the parents were gone at something, and I said, man, I'm going to pretend I'm an outlaw. So I put my neck in this chain, large metal chain, and put my hands in the the chain like this, and I was swinging around the chain like this with my neck, just joking. Hey, look, I'm an outlaw. I'm being hung like Jesse James was hung, and he was in a bike, riding a bike around me, rode his bike out of the barn. I'm by myself swinging on this chain, 12 years old, and I wake up, and my hands are to my side. I'm looking down at my feet. And I'm hanging in the air. Well, I didn't know what had happened was I'd passed out. I was hanging, passed out. The chain had spun because I was spinning around. And it pulled me up into the air. My hands were to the side. And I just thought, I guess I'm dead. I mean, I'm hanging up in the air. There's no way I'm going to get off of this. My hands are to the side. I'm, I'm just completely chained tight to my neck. And I felt what I could only describe as the softest hands I've ever felt. I don't know what other way to describe it. I'm 12 years old. But I felt hands... Go into that chain and pull that chain open. Well, obviously, you know it's impossible for a chain to be opened up once it's tightened like that. I fell to the ground on my knees. I remember my knees hurting because I hit the ground. I crawled to the corner of the barn. At this time, I couldn't see anything. My vision was completely just blurred and and gone from not breathing. I crawled to the corner of the barn. I'm pounding the ground trying to breathe because I can't breathe at this point. I'm pounding the ground. And I'll never forget this memory of looking back at 12 years old and, you know, raised in church and decided that God's not real. God doesn't care about me. Just thinking, looking back at that chain, seeing that chain still tightened up in the air, thinking there's something trying to kill me. There's something trying to kill me and then something saved me. Was it an angel, was it Jesus, was it the Holy Spirit? At 12 years old, I don't know. I just know there's a fight going on for my life and my friend ran in, what happened? I'm I'm choking, my neck is bleeding for about three weeks. I had chain marks on my neck. I got on my bike, rode home. I lived about a mile down the road. I called my mom crying. Mom, I hung myself. I should be dead. An angel pulled me off the rope. My mom's crying. She rushes home. All the family comes over. You know, am I suicidal? Is what I wasn't suicidal. I had no desire to take my life. I just accidentally hung myself. And honestly, I should have been dead that day. And I get emotional talking about it because I really shouldn't be here. That was only the, an angel that day that pulled me off that rope. My mom cried. We went to the church and they were like, I became like, oh, this kid, Isaiah tried killing himself. And in reality, I didn't. I just had accidentally hung myself and an angel pulled me off the rope. And for about three, two to three weeks, I had chain marks around my neck that were like blood marks of that. We went to the doctors. The doctor said, yeah, you definitely shouldn't be alive. This is a miracle. And God spared me another time. I could could recall me and my brother were driving in the back of this trailer, and a friend of ours was driving a tractor. We were going 35 to 40 miles down the road, and we're on a country road. I grew up in the country, and we're in this little trailer, and he ended up turning onto our road, and the trailer broke flipped upside down so me and my brother upside down in a trailer he doesn't know this because the tractor's so loud and my friend's driving he doesn't know we're back there upside down in this trailer he thought everything was fine we're getting drug under a trailer at 45 miles an hour a mile down the road and should have been dead and I remember in that moment having this out-of-body experience and watching myself being drugged down the street flip the trailer over when we got there everyone was screaming and we were not a scratch on us I mean I had a little scrape on my arm but me and my brother were completely fine. Another time that God spared my life. And, and then, you know, years went by. I just remember being my whole life wanting to be a police officer growing up. That was my dream. And so I was, you know, 12 years old. I want to be a police officer. 14 years old. I want to be a police officer. 16 years old. I graduated high school. I want to be a police officer. Went to college at 16, 19 years old. I want to be a police officer. So here I am my whole life wanting to be this police officer. My mom's an officer. This was my dream. And I got to a place where I was just bitter. I was hard hearted. I was angry. I was in a metal band from the ages of 12 to 18. I was on going on shows, literally leading demonic worship. Like you want to talk about demonic worship, I was on the stages, at the parties, doing all the stuff that you could think of, partying with people way older than me, just broken, just lost. And, and really, I can't say it any more than God, had, I had no interest in God. It was like God was a, a hundred billion galaxies away and I had no desire to serve him, no desire to know him. In my 40-year plan, God was nowhere in that. And that's, that's where it led me into depression depression. depression, anxiety. There was a joke kind of like Isaiah loves to sleep in and nobody knew at the time that I didn't love to sleep in. I literally would sleep until 1 p.m. almost every day I could because I hated getting out of bed. I was so depressed that Life had no value. It was like I was living in black and white. And, you know, many people watching this feel that way. Man, I was just broken, hurting. And so nobody knew because I covered it up with had a nice car, was with a girl, was with, you know, this girl. And then we'd break up for a week and I was with other girls. So I had this life that looked good on the outside, but in the inside, I was sleeping in, I was depressed, I was racist, I was angry, I was racist at my own race. That's how broken I was. That's how twisted I was and couldn't cry. 10 years I didn't cry, no emotions, didn't know how to show emotion, didn't take pictures with anybody. Literally for years, there was no pictures of me. Like my parents, we had a funeral for my grandma years ago and they couldn't find any pictures of me. From teenage years, I just didn't take pictures. I was just bitter. I didn't know why. I hated the camera. I loved the dark. It's, this is so weird to say and some people are like, that doesn't make sense. But I was always in the dark. When I was getting ready in the bathroom, it would, the lights were off. When I was taking a shower, the lights would be off. In my room, the lights were off. My mom would say, why do you love the dark? And I didn't know why. I would just go, well, I don't know. I just like don't like the lights. I didn't like light. I had a dark countenance, I had dark circles around my eyes. I was just a very, very depressed person But then on the other side, the second life I was living, I was partying, I was throwing parties, I was in a metal band, I was popular, I was with people, I was, you know, graduate high school at 16, I was at college at 16, had the car, had the job, had straight A's. Like I was one side of me, the perfect Isaiah. All my friend's mom said, I wish you were my son and called me son and man, you're the guy. Then the other side, there's this dark countenance, shame, you know, addicted to pornography, lustful, angry, racist, bitter, hard hearted Isaiah that no one really knew about. So I'm balancing these two lives and I started watching, you know, here I am, 16, claim there's no God, had overdose, should have been dead, had drug under tractor, should have been dead, almost drowned as a kid, fell out of a car as a kid, hung myself accidentally 12 years old, over and over again. It's like, it was like the devil was trying to take me out and here I find myself 19 years old. I didn't go to church for three years. So 16, I decided I don't believe in God. I I became a self-proclaimed atheist. And some of you say, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. I just didn't think God was real. And I wasn't like deep into atheism, but I just decided I don't think God's real. I don't want nothing to do with him. You know, and very dirty mouth. No problem saying F God. No, Every other word was the F word. I had the dirtiest mouth of all my friends. Like just very, very dark. Again, raised in a beautiful, amazing Christian home. But I, the devil just turned me into this person I never wanted to be. And so here I am, 19 years old. Whole life's planned out. I'm about to graduate college. I'm getting hired as a deputy sheriff. It's in the bag. I'm getting. This is my dream. I'm with this girl for uh, a few years. And, you know, we're going to get married. We're going to settle down. My 40-year plan, you know, 40 years old, I'm going to do this. 50 years old, I'm going to do this. Everything's perfectly planned out. And my little sister won't stop bugging me. Isaiah, you got to go to church you got to go to church. Just try God one time. You know, I promise you that God will show up. I promise you'll fail God. And I'm like, I don't want to go to church. I have no interest. I'm going to do my own thing. God's not real. You know, forget God and making fun of her. Six months go by, she's still bugging me. I say, you gotta go to church, you gotta go to church. So I said, you know, I told my girlfriend just to get her to stop, to shut her up. Let's just go to church one time. I don't want, again, nothing to do with this, but I'll just go one time to to get her to stop talking. So we go to this church in Modesto, California. It's January 12th, 2011, 19 years old. I'm turning 20 in May. Again, gonna be a deputy. All this stuff's gonna happen. Oh, my life's great, right? On one side, my life's great, but on the inside, I'm broken. And then backtrack a little bit. I'm watching all these documentaries of global crises, the world's ending, the people in need, and this. And I'm starting to lose my appetite at that time for partying, for drinking, for the vanity that I was involved in. And I'm starting to have questions of like, what is the meaning of life? What is? And I'm laying in bed at night looking up, going, There has to be more to life than this. And again, I get emotional talking about it, but I look back, I was so lost and broken going. I had no purpose. I had no direction. And years I spent just same parties, same people, same clubs, Same shows, same mosh pits, same drugs. It was was over and over again. The same soup reheated, we used to say. And I'm like, man, is this really what I want for my life? And so I said, you know what, I'll go. I'm watching all these documentaries. I'm at the parties trying to tell everyone the world's ending. We're running out of water and food because I'm watching all these Netflix documentaries. I go to the church. The preacher's up there. And I remember when I stepped through the door of that church saying in my head, I'm never coming to church. This will be the last time I ever step foot in a church again. I want nothing to do with this. But then I also remember feeling something. I don't know what it was. Was it God? Was it an angel? I just walked in going, I feel different. I've been in church from the ages of zero to 16. Three years now, I've not stepped into church. And here I am three years later going, man, I feel something different here. So I sit in the very back where it's like taped off. You're not supposed to sit. I'm making jokes about the, I didn't know, but it was the pastor's wife. She was a worship leader. I'm making sexual jokes. That's how far I am. That's how, how far do you have to be where you're sitting in a church making a sexual joke to your friend? Here you have your friend on one side, one of my buddies, Logan, my girlfriend on this side, and I'm whispering to Logan, making sexual jokes about the pastor's wife. So there I am making jokes and just lost and broken. The preacher saying, Hey, there's some of you in here, this, this God wants to do this. And I'm at, I'm there. My heart's beating. He makes an altar call and I feel something pulling on my shirt. I feel something drawing me like a literal person pulling me. Now, of course, I didn't know it was spiritual or none of that. I just thought, okay, I go up to the altar and I basically am at the altar and I say, God, I don't know if I can believe in you because I really didn't believe in you. I said, but if you're real, I'll give you everything. I'll lay down my life. I'll move out of state. I'll go here. I'll go there. I'll do this. I'll do anything I just thought God wasn't real. So I thought I might as well just say whatever because God isn't real so I could just make all these claims and who cares. But I was so desperate for God to be real. I wanted so bad for there to be a God. Even though I was an atheist, I wanted there so badly to be a God. I wanted so badly something to be out there to say, you're not here by accident. You're not a a clump of cells that's evolved, you know, from a, a puddle 10 million years ago, I wanted to, to matter. I wanted to have purpose. I wanted to be, that's why I wanted to be in law enforcement, because I wanted to help people. But how does the atheist who there is no God help people? How does he have destiny and purpose? So I wanted that, but I also didn't believe God was real. So here I'm at this crossroads at an altar, a Christian church. Don't even really know how I got there at that point saying, God, I don't effing believe in you. But if you are real, I mean, who cares? You're not. So who cares? I'll say what I want. And I'm saying stuff that looking back, I'm like, why did I even say that? I'll move out of state. I'll travel. I'll preach. I'll, I mean, what, is, what does this even matter? And as I'm saying this, I hear an audible voice, not an inward Holy Spirit speaking, not a voice whisper. I hear an audible voice from the outside. Again, I'm an atheist at this point. From the outside of my body, a loud voice from, from above me saying, Isaiah, I don't want 99.9% of you. Now, first of all, the God of the universe, the God of seven billion people, the one that was and is and is to come, says my name, that changes everything. God says, my God, God, an atheist, God knows my name, and there is a God. So here I'm having this, there is a God, he knows my name, and wait a minute, he doesn't want 99.9% of me? That's the first thing I heard from God was, I don't want halfway. I'm not interested in, of course, I didn't know Jesus said, you know, you have to lay your life down. And here God is saying, I don't want 99.9% of you, but if you'll give me everything, I'm going to use you. And so from that moment on, I don't know, was it a vision? Was it a trance? Was it an out of body experience? All I know was I was seeing bright lights. I was in another place. I was no longer at that altar, but I'm in another place seeing a bright light in front of me. Was it God? I couldn't see. It was just a bright light speaking to me, saying, Isaiah... This is the plan I have for your life. I'm now seeing me preach in front of thousands of people. I'm now seeing all that God has done for me. I'm now realizing, because I grew up knowing Jesus died for me. I grew up praying the sinner's prayer at every camp and every event. I prayed it. I knew Jesus. I knew he died, but I didn't believe it. It wasn't real to me, and I decided all that was fake. Well, now the reality of the cross, the reality of who Jesus is, the reality that God is real, all the memories I had of growing up in church is now like, all hitting me in the face at once. And I'm having this out-of-body experience where God is saying, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you, an atheist, a broken. I have nothing to offer God. So now my thought is, well, I don't know. I have nothing to offer you. I literally told God that. I I have nothing to offer you. And then his response was, I'll take your hands. I'll take your feet. I'll take your mouth. I'll use your body. Give me your body. And so I'm in this experience. I'm seeing visions of me preaching. Again, it's all this light everywhere. And I don't know what's going on. I come back into my body or whatever it was that experience, I'm I'm kind of awake and I'm speaking in a language that I've only heard one time in my entire life, and that was when I was a little kid. I have this vivid memory of five years old, six years old, that age group age range of me seeing my parents pacing in a living room speaking in this unknown language. So I've heard it one time, and I I thought I remember thinking at four or five years old. What are they saying? They're speaking in this weird language. And that's the only memory. Because my church that I was raised in, they they didn't speak in tongues. or I didn't know what tongues was. Here I am back in my body speaking in that language that I heard when I was four or five and I have that vivid memory and I'm like what is this what is this language I'm speaking I'm trying to cover my mouth because my girlfriend's next to me and my girlfriend she she wasn't raised in church she'd never really been to church or gone and so now she's at the altar next to me how did she get here what am I saying I'm covering my mouth I'm crying for the first time in 10 years here I am crying tears coming out of my eyes and it gets crazier because tears are coming out of my eyes, so I'm thinking like I'm crying. I'm speaking in this unknown language. God is real. I mean, this is all like, this is life changing. This is, nothing will be the same after this. And I remember knowing that like, and again, I get emotional, but it's like, my life will never be the same after this. After this moment, I'll never be the Isaiah that I was before. Something's happening in my in my life and God's real this is coming out of my mouth. And all of a sudden, as I'm crying at the altar for the first time in 10 years, again, I had friends that had killed themselves and friends that had overdosed and family died. And I could not cry. Dirt's coming out of my eyes. And maybe you listening, might this might strike unbelief in you. All I know is dirt was coming out of my eyes, not spiritual, not in the spirit. And I'm, I'm rubbing my eyes and I'm going like this as I'm crying like I am right now. and. I'm seeing just like, like, it was just like dust in my hands. It wasn't, you know, a dirt clod. It was just dust in my hands and I'm wiping it and I'm going, okay, now there's dirt coming out of my eyes. I'm speaking this language. As that's happening, the pastor gets on stage and says, there's 500 young people at the altar. And the pastor says, there's a young man in this room right now. And God says, the dirty scales are being removed. And he starts going on about Saul having the dirty scales removed. And I'm, I'm going like, what is happening to me? What is going on with me? And I said, God, I don't have nothing to offer you. And God says, all I want you to do is pray one hour a day and I'll show you the rest. The service is over. Now, I thought I was at the altar for one minute, not knowing it was like a 45 minute altar call. I just thought, hey, one minute went by. It was a flash, an encounter. And so the service gets over and my sister comes up to me and she's like, are you okay? Because I mean, she's like blown away. She's been inviting me for six months and I'm over here crying and I'm like, hey, I need to go home. I don't recognize. And I could say this, I didn't recognize anything. I didn't recognize the people I was with. I didn't recognize the colors of the building. It was like I was a new creation. I mean, it was like I was a new person, like I was born again. And so I didn't know. I just know, hey, I believed in the gospel. I believed in Jesus. I turned from my sin. I said, Lord, I'll serve you. I'll do whatever. I had this encounter where I said, God, I believe you. I'll serve you. I'll know you. And then here I am. Don't recognize nobody, I said, I gotta get home. I get home, I stay up all night long, and I'm hearing from God, I'm praying, I'm crying, I'm talking to my family, I'm like, what's going on with me? That's night number one. Night number two, I'm up all night long, I didn't sleep. So this is two days not sleeping. I believe it was the second or third day, I have college, I gotta go to school. So I'm up for like two or three days, no sleep at all. Not a minute, not a wink, my mind is blown. God is real, I'm deleting, I get home, I delete all my uh, downloaded bootleg music, I delete all my unchristian music, 40,000 songs by the way, because I was very into music, in, into a band, all that. I go delete all my bootleg DVDs and movies, I break all my video games, I'm. no one told me to do this. There's no preacher saying, you need to go break your games. I just got so radically saved that I was like, I don't want anything to get in the way of what God is doing in my life right now. So I delete everything, throw everything out. Everyone's like, he's going crazy. What's going on with him? We don't know what to do. I go to college and I'll never forget. I'm in my car driving to school. I pull over on the side of the road and I'm just bawling like a baby. I'm just crying. I'm looking at the sky going, this is like the first, because this was the first time I really like left my house since I had that encounter from coming home. And I'm just like, I feel like I've never seen grass before. I feel like I've never seen like the sun was so bright, the grass was so green, everything was alive. Like, and this is so cheesy, but I have no shame in saying this. I literally saw like this butterfly go by. I'm on the side of the freeway, crying. Like, a what am I? What is going on? I'm with my lowered Civic Type R, cool, you know, four 10-inch subs. I was like, I thought it was so cool. I'm on the side of the freeway on the 99 in California, crying, and then I'm on the freeway crying, and and then a butterfly goes by, and I'm like, I've never seen a butterfly. Like, I just had this. Because I was born again. I was this new person that I didn't even know. I'm like, who am I? I get to school, you know, still like just struggling, sitting in class, and all of a sudden, I start like hearing what the guy next to me is going through. Like, man, his life story. Like, I'm hearing it in my head. And I'm like, did you say something? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm hearing about how he was abused, how he went through this, and how not knowing, now I know is a word of knowledge. God was giving me a word of knowledge. I didn't know, I just thought, I'm a psychic, I don't know what's going on. So I, it freaked me out when I started getting words of prophecy for people. It freaked me out. And I remember seeing demons and angels all over the campus and I'm having this crazy experience where basically the supernatural realm has opened up to me and I can't handle it. At that time, I've never missed a day of college. I had straight A's, I was the teacher's pet. Leaving class was like a mortal sin to me. Like, you don't leave class. I was a straight-A student. I ran out of class. I told my teacher, I got to go. But my professor. I can't be here. So I leave college. I get in my car and I'm just like, I sit in my car for probably 20 minutes and I go, what is going on with me? God, like, is this God? Is this the devil? I'm hearing voices. I'm seeing angels and demons. I'm just overwhelmed. So at that time, I've maybe shared this one other time. I had all my music deleted, everything gone. Well, I had this iPod, this how, 2011, this thick iPod, 120 gigabytes. I remember my parents had gotten it for me in my glove box with all my music on it. And I'm going like, God, and I'm in my car about to leave my college thing. And I said, God, if you're real, there's 40,000 songs on this iPod, 120 gigabytes. This is old school, super thick back in the day, silver back, some of you know that. I said, if you're real, You gotta speak to me right now. And I hit shuffle on 40,000 songs. And mind you, I did not listen to Christian music. Like, I probably had two Christian bands that were metal bands. Other than that, I didn't listen to Christian music. I hit shuffle on 40,000 songs, and the song that came up, you can look it up to this day, was called Isaiah, which is my name, The Willing. And it was from a band called For Today, a Christian band, and the entire song was about, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll go to the nations. I'll do what I'm going to do. I broke down crying. I said, Lord, say no more. I'll never doubt you again. I drove home, and that led to days of not sleeping, about three days, not eating, having this radical experience with God, Friends of mine were coming over and I was just sharing my testimony in my living room. They were getting saved. My brother got saved. My sister got saved. All as radical as me. As radical as I got saved, they all started getting saved. Just my parents got lit on fire. Again, my sister, my brother, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my friends I was partying with. They were like, where's the party? I was like, coming to my house. And I was just in my living room Share my story of what God had done. People started coming, manifesting demons. My fir- The first time I cast out a demon was 15 days after I was at a beer pong tournament. So think about this, December 31st of 2010, I'm at a beer pong tournament. January 15th of 2011, I'm casting out demons. So it was that radical going from death to death to life. So here I am, you know, my uncle, who's a big part of my life. He was in ministry for 30 years. They said, you got to talk to Isaiah. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. We sat down 14 hours straight. I talked to him. He said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, all we're going to do is pray. And God says he's going to bring revival to my home. That led to a prayer meeting, me sharing my testimony. And within four to five months, there was 400 to 500 people coming to my house hearing me share my testimony. And mind you, I was living with my parents in in a pretty big country property. I told my mom, we gotta move out all the furniture. We gotta move out everything because God says there's gonna be revival. Think about this, you're my mom or dad, and here I am, I just got saved from being an atheist, and I'm telling you, there's gonna be hundreds of people coming to our house for revival, and you're moving out furniture, TVs, movies, everything in my house I got rid of because I was like, God's gonna show up here. So literally, the only thing in my house was a kitchen table. The, the uh, bedroom, I mean the living room empty, the back living room empty, the kitchen empty, just one kitchen table, some chairs, and an empty huge room. And I started preaching and hundreds of people started coming. People were outside looking through windows. Miracles started happening. My aunt, who was born deaf in one ear, who's very well known in the hospitals out here, she got her hearing back, brand new eardrum. My cousin was deaf in one ear, got hearing back. We had a guy who was in a wheelchair for years walk. We had people that were blind I get their eyesight back. A bunch of my friends were getting delivered of demons. Well, at that time, you know, I'm saved several days. God is moving. Stuff's happening. I want to share this, though. I remember after getting saved, every time I would share my faith, I would feel something in me wanting to come out of me, like this dark thing uh, talking to me. I don't want to be here. Leave me alone. Like some another voice in me. So here I am sharing my faith and I'm having this weird thing where it's like I wanted to cough, like I wanted almost like I wanted to growl. And I'm like, what is this? I'm saved, I'm speaking in tongues, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I'm transformed. I'm no longer saying the f-word ever the word. I'm no longer desiring women. I literally can't even check out a girl if I tried. Here I go from being lustful, cussing, dirty everything bad to now I'm serving God. I want God. But now I'm like, I'm feeling this thing wanting to come out of me. And so I was actually at college witnessing and I felt something like trying to come out of me. So I was like, well, I guess maybe it's a demon wanting to leave me. And, you know, I'd seen people getting delivered. I knew it was in the Bible. So I go to my car, I try to get it out of me. And it's like, it won't come out of me. It's this thing that's just there. Won't leave. I get to work. I worked at Starbucks. I'm witnessing to a guy at Starbucks and I'm feeling this thing as I'm sharing. I want to like, cough or growl. It's so the weirdest feeling like going like mm, mm, like this thing growling out of me as I'm trying to share my faith. So I'm like this has to be a demon and I hear I'm hearing this voice not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I don't want to be here. I'm not. So it's like saying I don't want to be here then it's saying I'm not leaving. It's just I'm like this has to be a demon talking to me. What is this? So the only one I knew that could really do this cast out a demon, was my little sister because she invited me. And so, again, I'm saved a few days. This was a few days after that encounter. And I know I fast forwarded, but going back a few days after, I'm sitting there going, I told my little sister, you got it, there's something in me and you, the Bible says we can cast our demons in Mark 16. You got to cast this thing out of me. So I told her whenever you're ready, just command it to leave and it's going to leave. And my little sister who invited me to church in my living room started saying, I command every spirit to leave him, every spirit that's there from his past. And they were there from my past. They have to go. And I go from standing up, I fall into my back, I'm screaming on the top of my lungs, and this thing, the spirit is coming out of me. And my sister, what is your name? And th- I'm hearing this voice speak out of me. My name is shame. We don't want to leave. And again, it was just not one, but there was the spirit of shame. And then she cast it. I command shame to leave. And I felt it leave my body. And then the next thing, lust comes up. And what What are you doing here? You need to leave. And, she's, and I'm just sitting there as these demons are speaking out of me going, what is going on? This is real. My little sister fully cast all these demons out of me. So I had these dark circles around my eyes, still couldn't look people in the eye. From that day forward, all those demons leaving me, I was then able to make eye contact for the first time that I can remember in my life. So think about this, in law enforcement, they were like, Saldivar, look at me in the eye. You have to make eye contact. It's disrespectful to not look a law enforcement officer in the eye. And my lieutenants, all the guys I was doing college law enforcement with, they would get mad at me. You need to look me in the eye. But I, I didn't know why I couldn't look people in the eye. I didn't know why I loved darkness. I didn't know why I had dark circles around my eyes. From that moment on where those demons left me, I've been a- I been. was able to make eye contact. I was. I felt no voices ever again. I, looked, I, I ran to the mirror. When I got delivered, I ran to the mirror and I just cried and cried going, I don't even look the same, I'm so different. So I was born again, I was saved, God changed me, but there was still these things, these spirits from my past that never were cast out, that I never dealt with. Now I didn't know the Bible You know, said that you need to go cast, I didn't know all that, I just knew there was something living in me that ended up coming out of me and then that led into you know preaching at the revival, God moving, doors opening, people inviting me to come speak and then looking back, I look back at all the times I almost drowned as a kid, times I fell out of a car. I fell out of a car as a kid, could have been dead, should have been dead, almost fell out of the car on the freeway, overdosed, and the doctor said, overdose on alcohol. The doctor said, you shouldn't even be alive. I was in Huntington Beach partying. They said, you should be dead. Hung myself at 12 years old should have been dead. Uh, drug under a tractor, should have been dead. The last time that I had a near-death encounter where I almost died was literally two months before, two to three months before I got saved. This is something I maybe shared once or twice. I was at a, a wedding at a hotel with my girlfriend. We were at the 13th to 14th floor, somewhere around there. It was one in the morning, the wedding was over, we were parting. obviously I was completely wasted drunk. And I'll never forget this, this is probably two months before I got saved. I'm in my hotel room, I drank a bunch of alcohol, and I heard this voice say, jump off the balcony. Now, I, I just have to say this. I've never been suicidal in my life. I've never wanted to kill myself. I always got taught growing up, like, you just don't commit suicide or if that's automatic. You go to hell. I, I got taught that as a kid. So, like, even as an atheist, I was like, I'll never take my life because I don't, even if it's a 0. 0.0001, I'm not risking it. I'm not. So I want to make sure that people listening don't think I was suicidal and I don't paint a false picture. I wasn't suicidal. I didn't want to take my life. Here I am in a hotel. I'm about to get saved in two months. I obviously didn't know that. And a voice is saying, jump off the balcony. Jump off the balcony. And I'm like, I I knew I didn't want to, but it was so overwhelming. This voice was so strong telling me jump off. So I told my girlfriend, man, again, she's drunk. Hey, there's this voice telling me. She's like, I'll just go to bed. You'll, You'll sleep it off. So it's like one in the morning. I'm laying in bed. I wake up or I'm like halfway in that part where you're sleeping, you're not awake. I this voice is so strong. Take, jump off. Just do it. Jump. Who cares? No one cares about you. Nobody's going to know. You have no purpose. You have no destiny. It doesn't matter. It's telling me all these things. So I go over to the 13th. I'm on the 13th. I'm looking over this hotel balcony knowing I don't want to jump off. I don't want to take my life. Am I depressed? Yeah. Am I this? Yeah. But I, I have a great life. I don't want to jump off, and I'm battling this voice. But I, I'm telling you, it was so strong that I was minutes from being like, I think I'm just gonna do it, because I only way it was, it was supernatural. I couldn't explain why it was so strong. So as that's happening, there's this other voice going like, go lay down, go lay down, go lay down. I know now it was God speaking to me. I didn't know that at the time, so I was like. This voice telling me to go, this. And so I went and lay down. And then two months later, I ended up getting saved. And in my mind, I look back, I'm like, I think that was the devil's last ditch effort to be like, I'm gonna take this guy out before he does anything for God. And now, I mean, it's been 12 years. I'm more on fire for God than I've ever been. I ended up going from the house church to a building, to another building, to pastoring, to traveling, preaching in over 500 churches all over America. Um, and this is what I can honestly say. This is the best way I could describe what God has done in my life in a nutshell is I feel like I'm gonna wake up at any moment. I tell my wife this at least every week. Honey, I feel like at any moment, I'm just gonna wake up from a dream. My life has been such a supernatural dream the way God took me from being this broken, hurting, depressed, racist, angry, bitter atheist. Think about that. Every other word, the F word, no direction, no purpose to a revivalist. Like atheist to revivalist? Only God can do that. Like to this day, I'm like, Lord, it was only you. I I have no way I could have done any of this. I still don't know how I'm able to do what I do. It's only by the grace of God. And, you know, now we have this online ministry. Last month, we reached 40 million people online. In one month, only God. And I realized those stadium vision I had in 2011 where I was in stadiums, it was a digital stadium. It wasn't a real physical stadium. When God said, you're gonna reach millions of people and do this, it was not just physical, but also online reaching millions of people and it's been a dream that I pray I never wake up from. It's been supernatural. Again, there's so many things I could say about it, but man, God has done such an amazing work in my life. For all those listening, listen. You're wa- you're watching this going, how could God ever with a guy like me? How could God do it? With- if God can do it in me, I promise you God can do it in you. Maybe you're one of those people that are like lay in bed at night and look up go There has to be more to life. Maybe you're successful like I was and you're going down that path but you feel empty, broken, worthless. Maybe you're an atheist saying, I don't believe in God but I know there's more to life. Man, if God can do it in my life, God can do it in your life. I know God will. I know God can. I've seen people come out of the new age. I've seen them come out of uh, Buddhism, Hinduism. I've seen them come out of atheism. I've seen dead, the dead back to life. I've seen bodies restored. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen drug addicts get delivered. And If God can break all my addiction in one second, years of pornography addiction, years of sexual sin, years of bitterness and anger, God did it for me in one moment. I know God can do it in anybody. Isaiah, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is everything. Jesus is the love of my life. He's my best friend. He's my counselor. He's my guide. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I know these are maybe cliche things to say, but literally, I am so obsessed with this man. Like, let me just say, when I got saved the night, I remember the preacher saying, some of you are going to be so obsessed with God, it's all you think about. And I remember thinking, that's crazy. Why would I think about God? I would never... And I remember waking up and being like, he's the first thing I think about. Going to bed, he's the last thing I think about. 12 years later, I can honestly say I get out of bed and I, Jesus is the first person on my mind. When I'm in bed, he's the last thing on my mind. I am obsessed. I'm addicted to the presence of this man. I'm addicted to this person. He's He's literally every fiber of my being. I, can't, I literally can't get out of bed without him. I can't be a good husband without him. I can't be a good father without my four little girls that I'm like, Jesus, I need you. If you're not in my life for real, not some religious, you know, euphoric ideology off on a cloud of like, I go visit you on Sunday. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every part of me is like to live as Christ and die as gain, like to live. We always quote that and say like martyrs, right? To live as Christ and die as gain. And that's true. But to live is Christ. Like, that is to live. I have nothing else to live for. And Paul says, the life I live, like, because Paul says, I'm dead. And people say, how can you be dead if you're moving? Paul says, this life, this life is, I live in Christ. It's only, it's only Christ. So, man, he, he's everything to me. I'm absolutely obsessed with him. I will not stop until every person I could reach has heard about him. Um, He's the, the Bible says he's the past, he's the present, and he's the future all at the same time. And the, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus and he's just, he's everything to me. Isaiah, any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now? Yeah, I would challenge you, whatever you think God wants to do in your life, times it by a thousand and still God wants to do more. The Bible says he does. He wants to do and does infinitely greater than you can ask or imagine. If you would have told me 12 years ago, this is what I would be doing, I would be like, you are absolutely crazy. And I'll tell you this right now, God has done infinitely abundantly more than I could ever ask, dream, or imagine. And I honestly could say every single month that goes by, God blows my mind more and more. I'm like, how could you do more than I've seen you do? And God keeps, I'm. it's like you're on this journey chasing after this man that keeps outdoing himself. Like I'm like, God, how could you outdo this? And then he does. So just be open, be open to what God is doing. I'm not trying to draft you into some religious experience. I'm saying God is real, God is alive, Call out to him right now. Like I would dare you, when you get off this video, to go, God, if you're real, like that guy who says he was an atheist, says you are, pray the prayer I prayed. I'll give you my life. I'll surrender everything to you. If you don't think God's real, then then pray it and believe it and say, I'll lay it down. I trust you, Jesus. I repent of my sin. I turn from you and I'll go all in with you. Because honestly, God doesn't want 99.9%. I'll go back to the first thing God spoke to me. I don't want 99.9%. Jesus says, It's all or nothing. You're either for me or you're against me. If any man wants to follow me, he has to lay down his life. And if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. So I would just say, be open, be hungry, and then look and go. If God can do it in him. God can do it in me.